Welcome to Agatha Christie, She Watched, our spoiler-heavy look at the movie and TV adaptations of the mystery genre's greatest writer. I'm Bill Peschel of Peschel Press, publisher of the annotated novels of Agatha Christie, and today we're talking about coup d'etats, secret daughters, renegade nuns, and seductive schoolgirls. It's Le Chez Les Souris, the French television adaptation of Cat Among the Pigeons from the series Les Petites Mouettes d'Agatha Christie. But first, let me introduce my partner in marriage, as well as crime of the fictional kind, Teresa Peschel. Teresa, how are you doing today? I am doing fine, and we actually have an appropriate guest today here with us in the office. For those of you who follow us on Instagram, you've seen him. It's little Dimitri, and he is a cat, and he would be very interested in pigeons, I'm sure, and he is right now wandering aimlessly around the office, distracting us, probably looking for the mice. Yes, we have mice in the ceiling, and I've been taking them down, checking the traps and taking them down until we can figure out how they're getting in and plug the hole, so... It's been it's been fun around here at the house. It's a little touch of serendipity that we have a cat and we have mice and we're talking about the cat and the mice, which is what they renamed Cat Among the Pigeons to. This is uh, the second episode. Well, actually, the third episode we've seen in the series Le Petit Mertes de Agatha Christie, The Little Murders of Agatha Christie, also known as Agatha Christie's Criminal Games, if you're trying to find it. It's broadcast on French television this episode in 2010. And this is the second of the series that comes from the first season with the two detectives, La Rossier and his younger Hastings-like assistant, Lampion. Although he's not Hastings-like in all aspects. <laughs> no, not at all. About. Not at all. But to clarify, for those of you who have not, who don't know this, the French TV series, they actually have three seasons and they don't do seasons the way they do in um, on American TV, where a season is what is shown in a particular year. year. A season there can spread out over several years. And what they did with this to give you three seasons in The Little Murders is they changed the setting and the date. So the first season, which had 11 episodes, and we've now seen two of them, and that's all we're going to watch. The first season takes place in the mid-1930s, and they are in northern France, where it borders on the English Channel almost all the way up to Belgium. And I'm sure that means something in France, kind of like an American cop show set in North Dakota instead of L.A. or Los Angeles. Those rubes up there who are practically Belgian. That's the first season. There are 11 episodes in all. And then they leaped forward in time to the very beginning of the 1960s, same location, completely different cast. That had something like 27 episodes spread out over several years. And they are now showing the third season where they have leaped forward in time again with a completely new cast. And this one is set in the 1970s, mid-70s. And my God, when you look at the trailers, it's like it's like doing the time warp. <laughs> right. So we're going to be talking about an episode from the first season. We got these on DVD through our library's interlibrary loan. So it's possible for you to actually get these as well and experience a little French Agatha Christie. And I can say, having now seen one episode from the second series and having seen two episodes from the first series, the first series, despite the fact that they have removed 
Poirot, and they've also done a couple Marples as well in the first season, replacing Miss Marple or Poirot with Lavoisier and Lampion. They follow the text pretty closely. In the second season, we saw one episode of that. It was Toward Zero. They don't bother. They stick with the one or two sentence synopsis of the novel, and then they just make everything else up. The third season, having not seen it, I don't know, but it sounds like from the description that they're just writing their own scripts and they use Agatha Christie's name, and your mileage may vary considerably as to how you feel about it. But this one, they follow the text, and I was surprised with how closely they followed Cat Among the Pigeons. Uh, they did make some changes, some rather radical, including removing Poirot. And Lavoisier discovers that he had a secret daughter, too. But overall, it followed the novel fairly well. They pay attention to those details. It's still a girl's school, and it is a 100% girl's school, and we will use the English names of the characters whenever possible. It takes place at the uh, Chartreuse Notre Dame d'Esprit, and I'm not going to try to describe the, the town. It's Apparently, it is a very significant site. It was a monastery, and it's suffered through various wars of religion and was torn down during the French Revolution and then rebuilt, and it's this beautiful... It's magnificent. Beautiful open square building... And there's also, there's archways and Gothic architecture as well. And apparently what we saw was only a small part of the actual structure. You see an aerial photograph of it and it looks huge. It was a magnificent building as a monastery. It's the ideal setting for a girl's school because, you know, you have cold cells and uh, it's unisex. <laughs> and uh, you aren't going to, as Miss Bolstrade says, we don't allow men on the premises. But that does not stop the girls from finding ways of getting out of the school in order to meet their boyfriends. They also added a Catholic nun there, too. There were several nuns. If you noticed in the background, several of the instructors were nuns. You could tell by their uh, robes. Right. Sister but Simone actually plays a role in the, in the plot. She doesn't have a one-to-one -one comparison with the novel. She certainly has aspects of Miss Vansittart, who did not show up in the David Suchet adaptation, by the way. Sister Simone has certain aspects that she shares with Miss Vansittart, one of them being jealousy and the other being getting murdered by being coshed, <laughs> although this time with a spade and not with a sandbag, and being murdered by a very unlikely suspect, not the main murderer. So the story starts out with this girl running through the forest, this little girl. She's apparently mushroom hunting with her father, and she runs ahead and discovers a body. A body under the leaves. It is late fall. She sees the hand with the painted fingernails, which contrast beautifully with the leaves, and it is right outside of the school. And at first, you don't realize that there is any kind of a connection between this body and the school. And so, of course, Lavoisier and uh, Lampion come down to investigate the body. They find this nude, it's a nude woman, a fairly young woman, and she has a birthmark. And there are some very amusing scenes with Lampion attending his first autopsy with the very creepy pathologist. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I likened him to uh, Riff Raff, the butler out of uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Kind of bald and goggled-eyed and just very... They, they made it very creepy. And it's also, it's a nude woman on the table that you're seeing with her face battered. The I've completely lost my train of thought because well, I've never seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show and we do have to put that on the list of things to watch. Right, but anyway, but, 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 but Rosier gave it to gave this case to Lampion for and, his and, first case. And 
yeah, the first case that he's going to do all by himself now that he's a fully fledged inspector. But there's something important here, which Lavoisier is trying to get Lampion to understand, which is, according to the pathologist, the young woman was knifed. And then after her death, her face was bashed in. Now, this doesn't occur in the novel, but it is a classic Christie trope, one that she used in The Mystery of the Blue Train. If you know who the victim is, why do you go to the trouble of smashing their face in after they're dead? And the reason, of course, is so that no one can identify them. Lampion finally comes to this conclusion. There's only one reason why you would smash someone's face in after they're dead, why you would disfigure them, and that is to conceal their identity. So he puts out a picture of her birthmark. She has a very significant port wine stain at her waist, kind of around the back. And he has it printed in the newspaper so that, do you know who has this birthmark? And, the and eventually the, the answer shows up and it ties everything together, the murder at the very beginning, with everything else that happens. So we're introduced to the characters. You've got the head of the school, our Miss Bolstrode. Miss Bolstrode, and of course her assistant, Miss Chadwick. And Miss Bolstrode is a very stern, take no prisoners attitude, very strong leader, and she is dying of, of some kind of bone disease. And there's another important note in here, and this is where things got changed around in Cat Among the Pigeons. If you read your internet movie database or you listen to the characters, she is Madame not Mademoiselle. So she was married, unlike Miss Bolstrad in the novel. She got some of the plot that belonged to Eileen Rich, which is the child who died. She was married. She was in Geneva. She had a child, her child drowned in the river and she was accused of murder and it was proved that it was an accident, but her husband left her and she completely remade her life. But Miss Springer recognized her because Miss Springer was a girl in the school at the time when uh, Madame Bolstrode was an instructor at that school. And so she's getting a little bit of Miss Rich's backstory. She's also getting uh, a little bit of Julia Upjohn's mother's story where she recognizes someone. They're elements from the novel, but they're not appearing in the way that the novel has them. So you have Miss Bulstrode. She has a corpse right outside the school grounds. She is not happy about this. Again, when you th go back and think about this, you will realize suddenly that she has the secretary has arrived, her new secretary, a pert young woman in red, a scarlet woman. Accompanied by a man. A man, yes, accompanied by a man on grounds where we never allow men. And the new secretary should have been there earlier. And she shows up when the students do. And you won't think about it at the time, but when you think about it afterwards, you realize this was a clue. Spolstrode is in pain. She's walking with a cane, except publicly. She doesn't want the parents to know. So she is clearly on her way out. And it's assumed that Miss Chadwick is going to take over the school, despite because the fact nobody thinks she could do a good job. Yeah, Miss Chadwick is loved, but she isn't respected. And there's also Miss Chadwick and Miss Bolstrode have a very close relationship. You see Miss Chadwick administering morphine to Miss Bolstrode because she is in so much pain. Again, this is a mid-30s kind of a thing because <laughs> I don't think they let your teaching assistant administer morphine with a needle to you. They give it to you as an eyedropper when you're in hospice and you have to beg for the stuff. 
But in the beginning of the show, we meet the teachers, of course, we have with variations, because, of course, instead of a French teacher being brought in, we have an English, English teacher. teacher. And this is Miss Davis, and she is filling in for Angele Blanche, who was the French teacher in Cat Among the Pigeons. She does not get the same story. She's not a blackmailer. She doesn't get washed in the head with a sandbag. But she does share an important attribute with Mademoiselle Blanche in that she is nosy. She is nosy and she is spying on people and she will carry tales and run up at the last minute and say, did you hear? Fill in the blank. Right. So we have the French teacher, Eve Mauger. I can't remember what role did she play? She turns out to be Miss Chadwick's lesbian lover. Oh, right. And yes, They're that French, is not you know. <laughs> not from the novel, folks. She doesn't seem to have an equivalent in the novel. You also see a lot of the housekeeper, and that is uh, Christine Bousseau, and her closest equivalent is Matron Johnson from the novel, who was the woman who actually ran the building and took care of the girls and made sure that things ran. She wasn't the instructors. She wasn't one of the teachers, but she did the housekeeping. But unlike Matron Johnson, Christine has a daughter, and she is unmarried. She is unmarried. She is a single mom because dad left when she was knocked up. And then you discover later on, and again, if you're paying attention, you should be able to figure this one out fast. Lavoisier shows up at the school to investigate the body in the leaves. And there's Christine. Oh, my God, I know you. We had a torrid affair 17 years ago. And why, yes, the housekeeper has her 17-year-old daughter. Juliet. Juliet who does not have an equivalent in the novel. None of the schoolgirls do except Princess Shaista. She has a daughter, and her daughter is one of the students at the school because she is the housekeeper, and the daughter is punished for being one of the students because other students, who are, of course, the daughters of important, wealthy people, look at this maid's child, this skivvy, this flunky, this lackey, and what is she doing there? Right. There's a trio of bad girls. She has friends as well, though. She's befriended by Annabelle and Princess Shaistas. Yes. And she also has Cassandra, who clearly has second sight. She's one of Cassandra's friends. And she's also a friend with Emily, who is overweight and struggles socially. You know, she's awkward and fat and uh, not athletically inclined. Right. She becomes the target of the fitness teacher, Giselle. Who is Miss Springer. The Miss Springer was almost dead on. I know things. I pay attention to things. I remember things. And didn't I see you in the newspaper when I was a schoolgirl in Geneva because you murdered your daughter? <laughs> <laughs> and you don't mind her. And you she don't deserves her getting, it. Yeah, you don't mind her getting murdered, although she didn't get it with a javelin this time. That was dramatically done in the Poirot episode. I think she's just shot. <laughs> well, that's what they did in the novel. Mm. In the novel, she's shot. And she is shot for the same reason, which is that she sees something going on in the sports pavilion, you know, in the gymnasium. She sees a light and she goes to investigate and she gets shot. She's surprised by who is searching in the middle of the night, and she gets shot. Now, the entire Ali Yusuf revolution in Ramat story is handled only through newspaper articles. You see Lavoisier reading a story about it, about the crown prince being assassinated. You see that his daughter, Princess Shaista, is at the girls' school. But basically, you don't get anything of what's going on in Ramat. You have no idea what's happening there. And Princess Shaista, turns out, she is very different from the novel. She is not an imposter. She is 
the prince's not first cousin who's going to marry him but his daughter there's a lovely wonderful scene with her and annabelle they're unpacking her trunk of beautiful clothes and there she has to put on an ugly schoolgirl's uniform with the rest of the girls and she pulls out the dagger and waves it in front of annabelle and says i will murder whoever killed my father and she does <laughs> she is dagger. not an imposter yes it is Chekhov's <laughs> dagger she is not an imposter she is a vivid character she is far more sophisticated and worldly than the other french schoolgirls. although some of them are rather sophisticated and worldly too solange one of the mean girls is uh there's this lovely another subplot involving Lampion. Yes, and she tries to seduce Lampion, who isn't having none now. of that, because we all know, as we learned in the ABC murders, that girls are not his cup of tea. Mm -hmm. And Lavoisier knows this, because we haven't watched the in-between episodes. I don't know how Lavoisier knows this, other than that he's a great detective. He knows Lampion, and yeah, he knows well, Lampion should, isn't going to do this. Right, you, got, you should back up a little bit, because... During the attempted seduction, which of course fails, they get locked into the classroom. And a so science lab with eels with on the eels floor. Eels on the floor. They knock over a tank and there's eels on the floor. And then Laurassier and uh, Miss Bulstrode are passing by and they hear the commotion in there. They unlock the door and they see Lampion there. And, and Solange and says, Solange he tried to rape me! She has her shirt open. and Which her she did herself. Clothes, which she did herself. You know, she asks him, you know, do you not like my tits? Again, they're French. Uh, <laughs> and girls will do this. Women will lie. So he's seriously in trouble because Solange is the daughter of the French, some minister. Some important in minister in government. Yes, she is the daughter of a very important man. She's one of those girls that uh, you really understand why you marry some girls off at 17 because they really... <laughs> <laughs> They need to be preoccupied with something else. <laughs> they need to be preoccupied with a man and children right away because their hormones are making them completely nuts. And she's not a very nice girl. She makes fun of Juliet all the time because, oh my God, she is a, she's the housekeeper's daughter. How dare she even be in the same room breathing the same air with me unless she is on her hands and knees scrubbing the floor. She is nasty to Emily, who is pudgy and overweight and not physically fit. She's nasty to Cassandra, who is a weird girl who does have second sight, but Solange has her little clique of mean girls. She doesn't care who you are because she's going to treat you badly. And she gets hers, too. She sees something. She isn't a blackmailer, but she sees something, and then she ends up in the shower. So, yes, By again, herself. this is French, so you're going to get a little gratuitous nudity, and not just of corpses, either. And someone knifes her. And then Lampion, who has has a bloody nose because he walked into a tree, runs into the bathroom, not paying attention to what the uh, signs say. But of course, it's an all-girl school, so it doesn't have men and women <laughs> showers. He runs in there to wash the blood off his face and discovers her dying naked, and he rescues her. And of course, the other girl school girls come in and they see, oh my God, Lampion, who Solange has told everyone in the school is a rapist is there with her bloody naked body and holding the knife and holding the knife. the knife in true, <laughs> true mystery fashion and so they run off screaming fortunately that he doesn't come into a bad a sticky end and she sur survives too. and she survives and you assume that she tells people no he saved me he wasn't the person who knifed me in fact we never see solange say even in a flashback it was the secretary it was anne uh, chaplin and that is one of the characters who stays true to the novel for the most part 
The backstory is different, but for the most part, it stays true to the novel. She knows about the diamonds being in the tennis racket. She murders the real Anne Chaplin. She murders the real Anne Chaplin. That's whose body that is buried in the leaves out in front of the building. And that's why she's there a day late to take the real Anne Chaplin's place as the secretary. That piece of plot remains exactly the same as in the novel. Overall, the story does stay the same, but because it is an hour and 38 minutes long, the two subplots involving LaRossier and Lampion take time away from that. So the story is kind of truncated. And I think that's probably why they got rid of the entire shenanigans in Ramat, which show up prominently in the novel and in the David Suchet version. Uh, you don't see any of that. You see a lot of the schoolgirls, and you get a lot of Lavoisier's subplot with Christine, the housekeeper. That right, because they have to explain. First of all, she's furious with him because he dumped her and left her, her pregnant. Left, left her, her pregnant, pregnant, but also ghosted her. And there's this confusion over a letter she sent him. Which apparently he didn't get. And there's no mystery apart from that, except maybe it's the French mail service losing stuff. <laughs> you know. He didn't leave a forwarding address. <laughs> so he convinced her that, no, I never saw this. I never saw this. I never saw this. And he meets Juliet. And she overhears them talking and realizes that's her father. Yes, the man who abandoned them before she was even born. Right. But before that, there's that she was traumatized. What was it she was traumatized about that ended her up on the wall? Oh, she ended up on the wall. I'm trying to remember. I think because she's feeling rejected again. And I'm trying oh, her to remember broke the tennis racket. Oh her, yes, her mother right. was very she angry received... over the tennis racket. She was given the, she was given the damaged tennis racket. Annabelle or Princess Shaista yeah. gave her the tennis. Yeah, Princess Shaista gave us gave her the tennis racket because it, the balance was off. And her mother got angry, even though we have seen this elsewhere in the story. Juliet can play tennis, but her mother can't afford a good quality, expensive tennis racket. She can't afford it. Her mother instantly assumes that she must have stolen the tennis racket. Instead, that Princess Shaista gave it to her because, hey, it's a cruddy tennis racket and the maid can have it. Right. And she says it's a gift, but her mother just simply will not listen to her. Yes, her mother will not listen to her. They have a contentious relationship. And in fact, a little bit later on, Juliet does tell Lavoisier that, of course, I have a contentious relationship with my mother. Every girl has a contentious relationship with her mother at this age. So she smashes the racket and that leads her mother to throw it out in the trash. And then Lavoisier realizes later what's going on and find, gets the tennis racket back from the junk man. He's got a cart full of waste for the village dump and he finds the tennis racket and opens it up and just like out of the novel there are the diamonds hidden inside but in the meantime juliet decides to risk her life climbing Walking up on along. the wall it's one of those things uh, as lavoisier tells her he comes out to rescue her that it's a it's a one in two chance that she'll live but if she lives she'll probably end up in a wheelchair for the rest of her life with her mother spoon feeding her do you really want that do you really want that and it's kind of funny in a way he does talk like a father that I don't think a mother would do because he's basically saying, look, you want to be in a wheelchair in your life? Fall off. Go right ahead. There's the ground. Do it. 
<laughs> not this pleading and bargaining and all that. He's just point. He points out home facts like a man, and it's up to you to decide if you're going to fall. Fine, and she doesn't. She falls she, into his arms instead. Yes. Yes, and then it's a little bit later that she's found over the body of Sister Simeon, who has had her head bashed in with a shovel. Oh, there's a whole lot, a whole lot of things you there's have to go whole... into that first because it takes place at night. Yes. And Annabelle's running off to meet Julian. No, or or no, no Annabelle's running off to meet her, her boyfriend, mother. who is Marcel. Right. Julian is Anne Chaplin's boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep those boyfriends straight. <laughs> Absolutely. But it takes place at night. And for some reason, Juliet decides to follow them. And then and the nun spotted them as well. And of course, she's all about, uh, you know, keeping other people from having fun. So she's following Annabelle to meet with her lover. Sister Simeon also, and you don't realize this, but Sister Simeon knows about the relationship between Miss Chadwick and the French teacher, Yves Mauger. This is probably the same way that Lampion knows about their relationship, which is that Lampion happened to be in the church and he hid. He heard somebody coming, so he leaps over this stone railing, I guess, where the choir sits, and And, is hiding. And is hiding there and thinking, oh, man, that hurt. And... (laughs) And, and he's listening to Miss Chadwick and Eve Mauger confess their love for each other and thinking, whoa, <laughs> okay. We don't see Sister Simeon learning this, but I would bet she learned it the same way. She is a spy. She likes creeping about and knowing everyone else's secrets. And she is blackmailing Miss Chadwick because of the relationship with Eve Mauger. In some ways, Sister Simeon has some of the character attributes of Miss Vansittart in the novel because Miss Vansittart gets coshed in the head by Miss Chadwick because she is angry and jealous and upset and her obsessive love is going to be denied. That's what happens here. It's changed around, but you still have Miss Chadwick bashing Miss Vansittart or Sister Simeon in this case bashing her head in with a shovel because she's so angry. And Juliet is, of course, accused of it because she is the one standing over Sister Simeon's body with the spade when everybody comes running because Miss Chadwick has escaped. She's the one who's on the spot. And so, of course, Lavoisier has to do something about his newly discovered daughter is apparently murdered, (laughs) the sister, and she had a reason for it because a little bit earlier sister simeon tells miss bolstrode and miss chadwick that you shouldn't be educating the housekeeper's daughter at this school yeah after she was taken off the wall Uh, yes after she was taken off the wall that you're giving her ideas above her station her station in life is to be on her hands and knees mopping floors and you know this is not a very christian attitude she may be a nun but she has not actually paid any attention to the gospel you can tell but then lots of people don't she has this attitude that educating a girl even a clever girl like juliet is going to make her discontented with her life when her life is destined to be spent on her hands and knees scrubbing other richer women's floors it is very classist it is very elitist it is not the gospel where we are all of the same status in the eyes of god and it is a it's so non-christian and it is so uncharitable even miss bulstrode is somewhat taken aback (laughs) as is miss chadwick by her unkindness 
Juliet does overhear this as well. And so she knows what they're saying. She already knows what the girls say because they say it to her face. And now to have one of the important teachers at the school say she should be on her hands and knees mopping floors and not be educated because there's no point in wasting valuable resources on that deplorable when she'll never be anything more than she should be. She has a damn good reason take to a take a shovel to, <laughs> to Sister Simeon. <laughs> anyway, in the meantime, Lampion's work pays off. Someone identifies the birthmark, and it is the sister of the murder victim. Yes, and it turns out that the murder victim is the true Anne Shapland, who was murdered by the fake Anne Shapland, who needed to be in the school in order to get the diamonds back out of the tennis racket. She knew that the diamonds had been smuggled out of Ramat, but Princess Shaista does not know where they are. She does not have them, to her knowledge. There's a charming scene where Lampion is searching her room and being very embarrassed by her undergarments, and then even more embarrassed, he practically flees the room when she says, you know, I also have the monthly supplies that ladies need. <laughs> If you want to riffle through them. Which and, for a police inspector, he's really got to learn to get over because this is why you're supposed to search everything and not <laughs> let yourself be distracted by your embarrassment. Yes, he can't get out of Princess Shaista's room fast enough. Of course, so that means that he doesn't see the dagger that she has in her luggage, which would be an interesting point for him to know. So but the, anyway. The secretary is arrested. The secretary is arrested. And there is a statement this had come up earlier during the Poirot when Lavoisier is accusing various people. Were you the crown prince of Ramat's French lover? He actually accuses one of the, I think it's Eve Guerre, when she was in uh, Ramat that she, on holiday, that she might have been the uh, his French mistress. We knew we know he had a French mistress. It was I guess it was in the newspaper story, but that wasn't her. Again, this is the same cover story, the same distraction that Agatha did in Cat Among the Pigeons in the novel, where you have everyone in the room and you accuse the wrong person to distract the right person from knowing what is about to happen. And then he accuses Anne Shapland of being the murderess, which she is, although she did not murder Sister Simeon, but she murdered bring, everybody else. She murdered everyone else. And they bring in the real Anne Shapland's sister, who is hysterical and screams and rages and shouts. He uses this as, as more of a distraction. Then he accuses Anne Shapland, and she snatches someone else up to th to 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 shoot them. I can't remember. Oh, Juliet. She, Juliet. That's right. She snatches Juliet. She has a handgun, and you know, takes a hostage. Takes a hostage, and then coming up behind her, All Princess. Of a it was really well done. Yes, it's Princess Shaista, who has apparently been listening carefully, and she has Chekhov's dagger in her hand, and she knifes from the back. And Shaplin, because by God, this woman murdered her father and she kills him. And then there's some discussion about how they were essentially going to make sure that Princess Shaista, who must have diplomatic immunity, folks, is not going to be accused of murder. And of course, all she has to do is go home. Mm -hmm. She goes home to Ramat and they'll never extradite a princess to French justice. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. That still leaves Inspector Lavoisier with the problem of who killed Sister Simeon with a shovel. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that was a shovel. That wasn't a spade. You could tell by the pointy blade. <laughs> okay, Miss Garden expert. <laughs> 
should always know the difference between a shovel and a spade because you do different things with them out in the garden. That's true. That's true. So that still leaves him with the problem that his daughter, his newly found daughter, seems to be guilty and he confronts Miss Chadwick in the lab. And they have a tense conversation where he talks about how innocent girls going to the guillotine because other people lie. And it's Lavoisier, Lampion, and Victor. Victor is the skeleton. A skeleton in the lab that has been in and out. We've seen Victor throughout the episode, and now they're actually talking to Victor. (laughs) Yes, this can be sometimes a very funny show. Of the two episodes that we've seen, it has sometimes been very funny, and I'm guessing that all of the season, season one, is like this. Victor is also, according to Miss Bolstrode, the only man allowed on the campus, other than occasional tradesmen coming at the back door to drop stuff off. But he's the only man in the building, allowed in the building, to live in the building. And in fact, during the science lesson, Solange is the one talking about, you know, well, how can you tell he's a man? He doesn't. (laughs) He doesn't have a thingy. And And she's she's... waving her fingers loosely. (laughs) Yes, and Miss Chadwick is saying, we call this a penis, dear. (laughs) (laughs) And no, it does not have a bone, although some men would wish that it did. Uh... (laughs) And Miss Chadwick has to decide. She confesses that she killed Sister Simeon with the shovel because Sister Simeon was going to reveal the relationship she had with Eve Mauger, the French teacher. But the person who Miss Chadwick really loves isn't just Eve, it's Miss Bolstrode and the school. She couldn't leave. She didn't want to lose them. Her whole life was wrapped up with that school. And Sister Simeon threatened her. And as she said, I was so angry. All my anger came out. Miss Chadwick is known throughout the school as being always the person everyone loves, always sweet, always nice, always Always easy to get along with, even-tempered. She never gets angry. Well, where was all that anger? Well, it all came out at (laughs) once when she took a shovel to Sister Simeon's head multiple times. I'm surprised she didn't use the blade as well, just to make sure. (laughs) But, you know, gardeners... Gardeners would know to do that when you have to cut roots, so maybe she wasn't a gardener. (laughs) Well, she wasn't a gardener, and uh, it it is very up close and personal whether you're using a shovel or a spade, because, see, then you would have to take the blade of the shovel, which hopefully has been cleaned and sharpened. does make a difference, by the way, and our tools do need to be sharpened, is you take the blade of the pointy end of the shovel, and you put it on your victim's neck, and then you put your foot on the footrest, and you shove (laughs) down hard. You're really teaching them how to do this. Well, that's what you do with roots. I mean, that's how you get the shovel in the ground. That's how you get the spade in the ground. That's why they have that little footrest on it. So you can position it where you want it to be and then push down hard. I'm going to put a lock on the shed from now on. Sure. I don't want you getting homicidal on me. That's why it's a lot easier to just pick up the shovel and whack someone across the back of the head than it is to try to cut their head off with the blade. Because unless the blades are freshly sharpened and clean, it takes a lot of force. You know, and you better be lined up nicely with the neck bones so that you can go between them instead of catching on the bone. That's true. Make sure you know your anatomy, folks, before you use a shovel on someone's neck. When I think about Princess Shaista taking that big, broad-bladed dagger, she had to go in at an angle because otherwise the blade catches on the ribs. You want to go in between ribs. I mean, she plunged that dagger in all the way. I can't see how Anne Chaplin would have died that quickly, but... 
Well, the heart is in the middle. Like it is kind of protected by the spine. But if you're like you say, you're coming in at an angle, then you're. It was a pretty long blade. It, it had a really long, nice long blade, blade. But at the same time, you have to go in sideways to go in between the ribs because I would think that unless you were really strong, the bones are going to get in the way of the blade. But I think it's also possible with the ribs, it's going to glance off a rib and plunge into the chest cavity. And I guess it kind of depends on where you are in the chest too, because the ribs are very tightly together at the spine where they come out, and again where they attach to the breastbone. But they fan on the sides. There's more space between them. And I'm thinking again of Victor the Skeleton, who <laughs> shows you how this actually works. It's movies, too. So they <laughs> have a, a certain license has to be allowed for uh, for instant murder for somebody like that. But, you know, this was a fun episode. I enjoyed it. If we had the time, I would watch all of season one. We're going to watch another episode of season two. We're going to watch the opening one that introduces us to the characters in season two. But just based on the one episode that I have seen, well, that's fun, but it has very little to do with Agatha Christie. The two episodes that I've seen so far of season one, the one that's set in the 1930s, even though they have removed the detectives and turned them into police procedurals, they follow the storylines relatively closely. They are respectful of the fact that it is a murder. And in fact, you actually have in this episode, Lavoisier telling Lampion that you have to have a sense of humor about this kind of gruesome business. You have to have a dark sense of humor because he was cracking some kind of joke about the woman. And Lampion yeah. was distressed. Yeah. And Lavoisier was, you have to have a sense of humor about this because this is the only way you can bring justice for this woman. Yeah. You have nice to line. be able to stay focused. You have to be able to not get yourself into such a knot that you can't do what this murder victim needs most of all right now. And that is justice for her and her family. And when the one episode that we saw in season two, the Toward Zero one. Didn't have that same kind of they played mur They played murder for fun. Yeah. This doesn't. Season one can be very funny surprisingly funny but at the same time they're very serious about murder and death and what it does to people and you have to find justice it's not a game and i really appreciate that it will be interesting because i'm looking at the list and they did ordeal by innocence and peril at end house and sad cypress and body in the library yes they've done a miss marble and i i would like to see all of them you know not for the agatha project but just because i want to see them and i think that's a great recommendation it fascinates me the difference between how they handle nudity and sex and the sexes or, or in general. What you're making me think of is when we have seen Agatha Christie translated into contemporary L.A., like when we saw oh, right. sparkling, we saw cyanide. sparkling cyanide. And they made it a contemporary in Los Angeles. We saw a three-act tragedy with Tony Curtis. And again, it was a Los Angeles contemporary. And Tony Curtis did an amazing job in that. So different from the Ustinov and so different from the David Suchet. But it was American. Yeah, because he was playing an American actor. We saw Murder is Easy with Bill Bixby. And... <laughs> just strange that was weird that was a very 80s movie oh 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 and, and alfred molina when he was hercule poirot and it was a contemporary mm -hmm. and again it was changing the setting the orient express yes that was the orient express one 
And he was in, but a lot of the people on the train were... That's right. Meredith Baxter Burney played an American actress coming to Istanbul. And she was supposed to be the high priestess in some third-rate uh, MST3K, uh, a film <laughs> that would be on MST3K. <laughs> and then the producer's boyfriend got the part. <laughs> And she's so pissed off. That movie had a lot to recommend it, too. But it had been changed to Americanize it, to make it contemporary and to Americanize it. And yet the story was still very recognizable. When I look at season two of The Little Murders, the story is unrecognizable. Season one, you recognize the novel. If you know the novel, you know what they have used and what they have ignored. With a lot of the contemporary American adaptations, you recognize the novel. I mean, if you're going to use Agatha Christie, use the novel, folks. <laughs> it's right there in front of you. You can play around like the hack screenwriter that you are, but please, at least leave something behind Leave something us. of the novel. <laughs> and season two doesn't do that at all. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of Agatha Christie, She Watched. Remember to visit PetrolPress.com to see about our books and about our future appearances. And until next time, this is Bill Peschel. And I'm Teresa Peschel, and little Dimitri is around here somewhere. Mm -hmm. But she didn't, he didn't jump up and meow into the microphone. Maybe later. Maybe next time. Right. And we'll see you at the movies. Agatha Christie, She Watched, is Teresa Peschel and Bill Peschel. Produced by Bill Peschel. Theme song. Call to Adventure by Kevin McLeod. New episodes come out every week wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm backslash mystery and leaving a five-star rating and review, and by helping to spread the word. To advertise on Mystery She Watched, email peschel at peschelpress.com. All questions and comments can be 